Hello, and welcome to another episode of Yes, That Really Did Happen. This time we're going to discuss casinos, casino owners, a little bit of the mafia, but mainly we're going to discuss Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes was the only child of a businessman, Howard Hughes Sr., who had invented a rotary drill bit system that enabled oil companies to dig deeper than they ever were able to before and get more oil out of the ground. Because of this, Howard Hughes was a millionaire upon his birth. When his father died, Howard was only 19 years old. He assumed full control of the business empire at 19. He then started dabbling in other things. He was a brilliant engineer. And he did also become a filmmaker. And during the 20s, he bought a film studio. Uh, 1920s, that is, not when he was in his 20s, although he was in his 20s when he bought it. Um, so actually both work. There you go. Uh, anyways, so everybody said he was going to bomb. He ended up winning several Academy Awards. Um, in the 30s, he became a household name because of his exploits as a pilot he circumnavigated the globe in only 91 hours in 1938. He tried to rival Boeing. He tried to design cutting-edge jet engines and many other advancements in aviation technology. If you're interested in this type of stuff, there is a really good... A movie that was made in 2004 by Martin Scorsese called The Aviator, starring Leonardo DiCaprio. Check it out. It is a really good movie. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It is long, as it is a Scorsese movie. We'll get back to Scorsese in a minute. So, Howard Hughes liked to dabble. He got bored quickly. He also was OCD. He suffered from obsessive-compulsive disorder, and was a germaphobe. All of these things made him, in 1966, want to get out of California. In 1966 in California, the smog was so thick you could practically cut it with a knife. And he felt that that was not the healthiest place for him to be at age 61. I should mention his health was pretty poor at this point owing to surviving several plane crashes back in the 1930s when he was doing all of his aviation exploits. He had habits. It was part of the obsessive compulsive disorder. He'd eat the exact same meal for dinner every single night. Steak with a salad and small peas. Any of the larger peas were discarded. Uh, he would force people to clean offices and warehouses over and over again, claiming he could see the microscopic germs lingering on every available surface. So, this is something that 
was well known. He decided the desert air in Las Vegas would be much cleaner for him. So early Thanksgiving 1966, his private train pulled into Las Vegas and his team comes out and rents the entire top two floors of the Desert Inn for the two-week stay. Well, that two-week stay turned into a two-month stay. And right about New Year's Eve, which at the time, and still is, one of Las Vegas' busiest times, the owner of the casino came up to Howard Hughes and his people and asked him politely to check out of his hotel so he could reserve these rooms for his high rollers coming in on New Year's Eve. Howard Hughes was having nothing of that. He wasn't leaving. So in true billionaire style, in 1966 money, he wrote a check for $13 million, roughly $100 million today, and bought the hotel so he didn't have to check out. Once he did this, of course, he brought in his team of accountants and his team of businessmen. And he had to figure out what it is he just bought. (laughs) Okay? He had no idea. He just didn't want to leave. So he bought the casino. Well, when he looked at that, he said, hmm, this is interesting. People come in and give you their money and expect nothing in return. This is outrageous. This is unbelievable. We have to do this. So he went to his business folks and he said, where can I buy more of these wonderful toys. He considered casinos toys. And he started buying more and more casinos. He had bought the Desert Inn, which is where Wynn Las Vegas is today. Next up, he bought the Sands, which is where the Venetian is today. He bought Castaways, the Frontiers, which was across the street from the Desert Inn. The Landmark, which is near where the Hilton was, which is now the Las Vegas Convention Center. And another casino, which was right across the street from the Desert Inn called the Silver Slipper. So why did he buy the Silver Slipper? That's actually an interesting story. The Silver Slipper had a gigantic silver high-heeled shoe for its sign that was very, very bright and shined into his penthouse window at night. 
he was not too happy about this. So he bought the casino so he could tear down the sign. This is the type of billionaire Howard Hughes was. For four years, he lived in Las Vegas, conducted all his meetings through walls and windows, and didn't really see another soul. He was very reclusive during this time. In 1968, he tried to buy the Stardust. And Las Vegas was trying at this time, desperately trying, to get the mafia-controlled and the mafia image out of Las Vegas. They did not want it. They wanted it to be a place where people would come and spend their money. Howard Hughes wanted that, too. He started to try to attract the everyman, not just the well-to-do. He was really ahead of his time. He was doing modern Las Vegas 30 years before modern Las Vegas became a thing. He did not like the mafia. He did not like Frank Sinatra because of the mafia. He also tried to ban rock and roll music in Clark County, Nevada, because he didn't like rock and roll music. He was trying to take control of the Nevada government. So, again, 1968, he tries to buy the Stardust. Now, Nevada has been getting rid of the mafia. They had granted Howard Hughes a casino license with no background check, no hearing. They just said, sure, you can buy casinos. When he tries to broker a deal in 68 for the Stardust, the gaming control board in Nevada was like, sure, you want to buy that one? You can have that one too. The federal government, though, looked at this and says, ah, we're not sure. This is kind of getting into antitrust territory. You can't own that many casinos. Nobody at that point in time had owned that many casinos. It was about the same time that the Las Vegas Gaming Control Board allowed corporations to buy casinos as well. Because prior to that, Every investor in a casino needed a license. And obviously a corporation with thousands upon thousands of shareholders can't have licenses for all their casinos. So they're trying to make this adjustment. They've got this respected, eccentric, yes, very eccentric businessman buying up these casinos, generally cleaning up Las Vegas's image and making it the tourist decorate... Uh, tourist destination there we go i can say that word <laughs> making it the tourist destination that it is today well <laughs> the feds came in and said ah no 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 we can't do that can't no that turned out to be a really bad bad move on that because that left the stardust up for sale to others and it bounced around to two or three other owners until 
about 1972. And at that point, the Stardust was being bought by Hyatt. Hyatt didn't want the Stardust. They wanted the other properties in the portfolio of the company that owned uh, the Fremont and the Aladdin. They'd rather have those. So they didn't sell the Stardust. And 74 rolls around. And a guy by the name of Alan Glick, a San Diego developer, he decides to buy the Stardust. He needed to get a loan. Where did he get the loan? From the Teamsters Union Pension Fund. Remember I said we get back to Scorsese a little bit ago when I said Scorsese made a really good movie about Howard Hughes? Well, he also made a movie about this. It's called Casino. It stars Robert De Niro. It is rather violent and goes through the mob-controlled casino, which was based on the actual events that happened to the Stardust. Okay, a gentleman by the name of Frank Rosenthal was involved in it, uh, as as well as the Chicago mob, and that's a whole episode in and of itself. This was all possible, and the mafia getting their foot back into the casino business, which they had been effectively removed from prior to 1974, was because they wouldn't sell the casino to Howard Hughes in 1968. Well, they would have, but the federal government said, no, you can't do that. So, Howard Hughes was doing this, and again, his health was failing at the time. Um, By today's standards, he was, since he was born in 1905, he was only... 65 years old by 1970 and again by today's standards not that old however due to his many plane crashes and a couple of car crashes and a few other health related problems he was not in the best of health so on thanksgiving day in 1970 four years to the day They snuck him out of the Desert Inn, put him on a plane, and took off to his private island in the Caribbean, where he spent the rest of his days finally dying in 1976. And that effectively ended his reign as a casino owner. They bounced around for a few years, Uh, The last six years when he was in the Caribbean and not watching them, they started to lose money. Uh, After he died, there was a huge fight over his estate. Who got control of the casinos? They ended up selling them all for a loss. Uh, It just became a really big mess. But for a time, he was the largest casino owner in Las Vegas. And that really paved the way for modern Vegas. Modern Vegas would not be what it is without multiple casino owners, meaning casino owners that own multiple casinos, the corporations coming in, and Howard Hughes showing that, yes, owning a casino could be a respectable business. So I hope you found that interesting.
And please subscribe, tell your friends, and listen next time on Yes, That Really Did Happen.